And this spirit is very present. And this spirit is able to do that transforming work, even as we give permission for that expression um, to be made to us. Uh, they're trusting that we're going to help guide them through this grieving process to, to walk alongside them in here. We've got to give them space. Hello and welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast, where we seek to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement congregational care ministry and to provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministries. I'm Reverend Joy Dister Dominguez, and with me today is the national team for the Caring Congregation. Hi, I'm Reverend Laura Burke. And I'm Karen Lampy. In today's episode, we are talking about grief, grief and collective loss and collective grief. It's something that at some point, um, each one of us um, has to uh, has struggled with. And so we are grateful to have you for this episode. Um, and we are actually, we're missing one of our uh, national team members. Um, Karen, you want to share kind of what's going on with the team? Sure. Well, Reverend Melissa Collier-Getford is not with us today, and she did give us permission to let you all know that uh, whoever our listening audience might be, that she is en route um, to her hometown in Texas where her dad died of COVID just yesterday morning. And um, we all did a webinar together over the weekend, and um, Melissa was very present and pressing forward with all of that as best she could. And yet here she was um, in the midst of losing her dad. And um, so she then left Fremont, Nebraska this morning and is en route to um, be with her mom and, mm -hmm. and family members there in Texas. So we miss you, Melissa, and just yeah. are really thinking and grieving with her too. Yeah. Our hearts are heavy with grief today as we uh, grieve this for her and with her. Um, I think it's so interesting how, um, you know, sometimes we can go through life and get to a certain age where we don't have much grief. And then all of a sudden it can be so overwhelming of how do we, what is grief? How do you recognize it? How do you, um, how do you process it? How do you work through it? And, you know, it's not something that we just get over. <laughs> um, it's something we have to learn to live with. And we don't, I feel we don't do a good enough job in our society to even acknowledge grief and the loss. Um, I feel like it's something that we, we always want to just gloss over, you know, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> you know, when, when in actuality, like many of us are, are deep in grief and, um, and yet we still have to function you know, mm -hmm. right. and, you know, right now for our across our whole world, I mean, the amount of grief is is not just of the losses of, of so many people that we've loved and known, but it, there's loss of income, loss of home, um, loss of food security. There's just so many losses right now, and and it 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 just 
becomes um, more and he- more and more heavy. I mean, it's like a collective sure. grief Absolutely. that we're all bearing right now. Yeah, loss of routine. I mean, loss of what loss, we right. thought we knew what was. You know, right? Which is why grieving the grieving process is so necessary because it's the only way we can come to um, a place of um, accepting the loss. And, and I've heard so many people um, uh, when, when I would be visiting uh, a family uh, who had lost a loved one, you know, or facilitating a grief group, you know, say, I hate that word acceptance, you know, I'll never accept this. And even that statement is the pro is being in the process of grief. Um, and, and we need to give permit people permission, you know, to make those kinds of statements and not try to be quick to correct them, you know, oh, you didn't mean to say that. Or, you know, we say some things that are just kind of not very helpful and, sure. and sometimes <laughs> more harmful than good, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's a process. It's not because um, we, we uh, are weak. You know, some see it as a sign of weakness or they see it as a lack of faith. Um, but grief is, it, it is a, believe it or not, a grace gift, not one we want to readily accept. And yet it is a process sure. that we go through so we can come to a place of understanding this, this loss, this loved one who was significant to us or this job that was important mm-hmm. to us or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the amount of loss is, um, you know, it's that we're dealing with. And I'm grateful you say a process. So uh, a story that comes to mind was uh, about, goodness gracious, nine years ago or so, um, I went through a, a, a difficult divorce. We had been married seven years and through his infidelity, um, I was just blown away and shocked and just left with so much grief uh, and the ending of this marriage. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I was in intense counseling, which I really needed and was incredibly helpful. But I remember having a conversation about a year later and I was still in counseling with this, with this counselor. And I said, I said, you know, I'm still angry. <laughs> and I, I thought I would be by, through this stage by now. And she said, oh joy, it's not, it, it, you know, we talk about the stages of grief, but it's not one stage, you know, we often talk about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um, I always thought grief was like, okay, well, I've once you've been through that anger stage, you check it off. <laughs> and if you know me, I do checklists. <laughs> and so, you know, okay, I've checked that off. And now I'm on to the next stage. And I'm going to work through this, you know, and I'm going to check it off. And I'm going to get to the end. And I'm going to be done. And I'm going to be great, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, she's like, it's, it's not necessarily the stages of grief. It, it is a process. And grief then comes in waves after. She, she said, imagine, you know, if you've ever been to the beach or the ocean and you're, you're standing and your feet are planted in the ocean and these waves come and most of the waves come and you're fine. But all of a sudden a big wave comes and knocks you off your feet and you're, you're almost caught off guard. That's how grief works. It's it's a trigger. It, it is something that comes, something that happens in your life or something that someone says to you that triggers perhaps that anger again or perhaps um, that sadness or um, that, that denial and or disbelief. I can't believe I'm 
now I'm a single woman after making this commitment, thinking it's going to be a lifelong commitment. Um, and, and it's still how many years later, I still get triggers sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's mm-hmm. how grief works. Um, and so I think it's important that people know just because you've been through one emotion of grief, it can come back around. Um, oh, yes. Sing it all over again. I can't tell you how many times I've had to forgive him, you know, and God, please just help me forgive him again um, for one thing or another, you know. Yeah. You know, I do think too, Joy, in, in that kind of a situation that you just described, that the shock of learning uh, what was going on and everything, mm-hmm. that kind of loss, the shock of an early death, um, you know, when, you know, you're not in a long-term dying process with someone, but it is a, a young death or a death that is mm-hmm. by accident or something. And the shock itself is such a process, sure. you know, and, and then all of a sudden, um, you find yourself then going through um, and wanting to understand the big whys, sure. you know, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. asking those questions. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, that it just feels like the common question that people go to is why and whether it is a, a, a quick death or it is one by accident or suicide or something. Mm-hmm. And trying to work with someone going through grief, mm-hmm. that why question can circle back around, mm-hmm. just like you say, years later. Oh, sure. You know, uh, well, and not even not even in death. I mean, I think of of divorce. I think of right. miscarriage. I think of of loss of a job. I think. I mean, yeah, it, it's always something. But you're right; that continues to come up um, time and time again. We hope that you are finding this episode from the Caring Congregation informative and helpful. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for additional resources and information. You can also join us for an upcoming webinar or host your own seminar to train and equip your care ministry team and pastors. We also have two brand new books out, a Care Minister's Manual and Implementation Guide just released by Abington Press. You can purchase through Abington, Cokesbury, or Amazon. And in the back, there are additional resources for grief and loss that would be helpful in your journey. Now back to our conversation. So as we're doing our caregiving in those situations and time, you know, there's an element that time allows for the, for us to kind of get into the process. Well, even though we don't feel well, um, we're in that grieving process. Well, and as care, as care ministers, as CCMs, as pastors, um, that that's where oftentimes we have an opportunity to, to help that person, uh, or to question that person on what coping mechanisms have helped them in the past with prior uh, grief situations, prior um, episodes in their life where things have not gone well or you've experienced mm-hmm. loss. Because, um, you know, we, we can say, oh, I feel this anger again and I'm at this 
I'm at this, this rogue wave has hit me again. And yes, that rogue wave has hit and it's real. There's no denying that feeling um, or those emotions that you're experiencing. But can we in the process also reflect on what coping mechanisms have brought you this far? Mm-hmm. So it allows us to then kind of be, even if it's just a pinprick of light mm-hmm. uh, in that overwhelming dark moment, um, it allows us an opportunity to help maybe refocus just a tiny little bit even um, mm-hmm. that might be enough to allow mm-hmm. us to come up again as we do in those waves and take a few breaths. Uh, sure. Even if we have to go under for a little while again, yeah. at least we know, you know, there we we have done this before and we've survived this before and we'll get through this this episode once more sure. this wave once more but you also say when you say coping mechanisms we also have to have to help people identify um maybe some poor choices that they're doing uh, to to cope as well i mean i find often in in grief that's where there's an emergence of alcoholism or drug use or just numbing out with a number of of other coping mechanisms and helping them identify what are you doing? How can I help you with healthy coping coping mechanisms? Sure, mm-hmm. that's true. And and to not feel guilty sure. about those um, healthy choices. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's sometimes you'll find people that will go, I I just feel so guilty now going, you know, on vacation or whatever they were going to do to try to, in a sense, just have some moments of relaxation. I was just talking yesterday with a family who had um, lost a a child by suicide and they were going to um, go on vacation just a little while and they were talking about, I just, I feel guilty. And, Mm -hmm. And no, no, don't feel guilty. Just be okay with allowing yourself to be in a different space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, finding those ways to physically attend to yourself is going to be um, healing. Sure. And to being in that same space and, mm-hmm. and allowing for that change. So I think part of caregivers that we can be um, a part of their process is just giving them permission. Yeah. Um, or helping them think through things that they wouldn't consider, you know. As pastors, we have kind of like a spiritual realm that we, that's our bailiwick. But to say, let's, you know, I would really encourage you to see your doctor if you're not sleeping well, or if you need to um, see a counselor, a grief counselor, uh, they will offer you different therapy modalities that Mm -hmm. as a pastor, I'm not going to be able to offer you uh, for post-traumatic stress. Absolutely. If they've experienced something where they just keep reliving something over and over mm-hmm. to get um, EMDR therapy, mm-hmm. and I wish I could tell you exactly what EMDR stands for, <laughs> but it's like, but it, it's and that's what they need a good, it is, yeah. yeah. My friends have used it, yeah, absolutely. But well, I think that the the key concept in, in from one of the things that I've learned with my my own various grief struggles is that we, you know, um, we don't move on from grief. Um, we learn, we don't get over grief. We learn to live with it. Um, there's an excellent Ted talk and I'll put it in the show notes by, um, Nora 
uh, McErnie, I believe is how you say her last name. And it's entitled, We Don't Move On From Grief, We Move Forward With It. And she shares her seasons of grief and how she has... Um, has has learned how to to move forward carrying that grief um and that really that really helped see my own grief struggle um and especially when i i remember talking with my spiritual director about a year or so ago um and again i i'm i'm a forward optimist how do i move forward past this grief and she said joy it's not it's not about just moving forward it's not about moving on it's about asking God to help transform the grief. And that was very instrumental for me. And I was able to change my prayer from, okay, God, help me get over this grief. Help me move forward with this grief to God, help transform this grief, Um, transform it, use it, help me to heal. Um, And I still have that grief with me. I carry that with me, but it's not center stage, if that makes sense. Um, because it's transformed. It's, it's a, you know, we are resurrection people. We are people of transformation. And, um, and I, I just, I love that, that, that concept of transformational grief, um, and how we, how we process it. And, and so we, we also, um, sometimes more often than not, We'll have those questions with those why questions you were talking about, Karen, you know, where, where we will hear a, a person who is grieving express their anger or their disappointment. Um, sometimes they'll even express their hate towards God. Um, they're God of their understanding in the moment of being so absolutely distraught and, and feeling so overwhelmed in that grieving process. And, and I think that that is a, is a area of growth for the person who is grieving, but the person who is also caring for the one who is grieving for us to do some deep theological work together um, Mm -hmm. and allow persons to have those expressions without any judgment or condemnation Mm -hmm. or the quick fix. Don't think that way. Don't feel that way, you know, um, and all the other, um, you know, comments that we'll make that don't allow for full expression of that. Um, We've got to be at a place where we know that God is big enough to handle uh, that rawness of, of loss and, and that encounter. I, I, I can't imagine uh, the God of my own understanding, not having been there. Um, and, and to the point where they, you know, this God that, that I, that I esteem cannot, cannot fathom that a person would be so heartbroken so so distraught, so angry, so fed up um, that he could that he or she could not handle that. You know, this the spirit is mm-hmm. within this grieving mm-hmm. process, and this spirit is very present, and this spirit is very able to do that transforming work, even as we give permission for that expression. Um, to be made to us. Uh, they're trusting that we're going to help guide them through this grieving process to to walk alongside them in here. We've got to give them space to be able to, to say what needs to be said um, so that they can then open themselves up to that space for healing. 
You know, that's where I think making sure that we provide some um, larger arenas or some places where people can process in community, um, just through grief groups, making sure that um, they have those kinds of resources. And if people are in rural communities, you may find yourself um, really banding together with other churches to provide grief groups. Um, but I do I do believe that there's work that can be done in that kind of a group versus mm-hmm. one-on-one with the pastor mm-hmm. or CCM mm-hmm. that is so much more, oh, it, it allows for expression mm-hmm. and and words to be said, because when someone else has lost a child and you've lost a child and you're in this circle of people who have all lost children, there's nothing more potent than you being able to say to each other how you've been um, just going through the process. And then for those folks to respond back and say, yes, yes indeed, that's don't feel like that's <laughs> you should be in any way feeling um, like that's not normal. That's what we have gone through. And, and I think when you go through um, child loss, when you go through suicide loss, I think those are such different kinds of losses that to have specific groups, even if they are online groups. Mm-hmm. There's lots of online groups now where people can meet and um, so if, if people are in rural areas or something mm-hmm. to have those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, and if any of our listeners are even thinking, you know what, I think I might, I might be open to facilitating a support group like that. You know, where do I start? Well, one of the places I, I know that I started was developing guidelines for how that grief group would run mm-hmm. um, because it's very important. Um, no, no, grief is, is identical to another. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so creating opportunities for people to have an understanding when they're in a group, uh, that, that it may not be a shared experience. Um, you know, allowing persons to be able to share where they are from their heart, Mm -hmm. um, without judgment, you know, without gossip, uh, in a, a safe space for confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so, and you, you can Google as I did, um, mm-hmm. for, for those special kind of guidelines for operating yeah. those facilitating those groups. Um, it's not hard if you can create the space, allow the space, let it be a, mm-hmm. you know, set it up in a, in a place that is peaceful. It feels comforting and inviting, mm-hmm. um, and have tissues available and, um, maybe some running water, a little fountain or something, but allow them to come together. Um, as facilitator, most often I set back and kind of my guidance was making sure we stayed connected to those guidelines. Sure. Um, and, and really, like Karen said, they become a unique get a gift to one another, mm-hmm. um, all on their, all on their own. So yeah, many sweet. times too, I think you can provide some sort of reading material and that's where it's good to do some investigative mm-hmm. kind of research before, uh, mm-hmm. because there's certain books that are just, um, really excellent for certain mm-hmm. kinds of grief and, and you can find, a list of those in um, the implementation guide or our books that we 
have from the Caring Congregation, you'll find lists of those books for different situations. Um, and on our and resource then the curriculum. page on our website as well. Right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. No, I, but I agree. You need to, you need to vet what material you're going to use. We use a book um, by Dr. Patrick O'Malley called Getting Grief Right. Um, and we vetted it. And I, I've, I've actually talked with the gentleman. Um, there are other grief support groups in town with a different theology uh, that I do not recommend to our members because it is a different theology than what we teach and preach in our church. Uh, and that's great that they're, they have it at their church. It's just a different philosophy. It's a, it's a different theology and um, that I feel like could create more harm and confusion. So um, just something to, to pay attention to. Um, For sure. And yet also, you know, the one-on-one, the grief groups, those are all small groups to process grief is important. But I also think collectively as a church, we need to um, acknowledge and discuss grief as well. We have this incredible collective grief, um, you know, about this time that we're recording the podcast. Um, we've we've exceeded the, the the half million mark of losses due to COVID that, that we know about. Um, and I'm sure when this airs, it'll be even more. Um, that's huge. I mean, that is, that's huge. We, we can't sugarcoat or just move past it. And like you said, all the other losses that we've experienced. Um, and so as a church, just having a collective time of acknowledgement that is ongoing, right? I mean, this, there's, it's not like the pandemic's ending next week, you know, it's, it's, this is going to be continuing to ongo. And then you have people, uh, I have dear, dear friends that are, have ongoing long lasting effects of COVID even, and they're grieving yes. their loss of life as they knew it. You know, it's tough. It's so tough. Mm-hmm. We were sharing in our webinar, some different ideas uh, that we, we had this past week, um, you know, as churches are starting to get, you know, to, to open their doors a little bit and allow, you know, some person to person worship again. And and we're excited to see some of that happening. Um, We are, even though it caught up in that excitement and that celebration of being back together again. um, One, I think one of the most important services we can hold is a collective memorial service. Um, you know, and there are there are beautiful creative ways of doing that. You know, we we've missed the opportunity to be present and and open to our community. The service of the longest night that's usually held in Lent. I mean, in the season of Advent, and and so you know, why why not do the you know one for the service of the longest year because it truly has been for us the longest year. Um, with with unbelievable loss beyond our imagination, mm-hmm. and and so maybe having a service very similar to that with the same passages of scripture that are read, um, the poems that are read, the candles that are that we light, you know, um, I just I just think we need to be intentional, very intentional. I think that's an excellent that. idea, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that yeah. seems to me that would make it a great Good Friday service, even. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. For sure. One right. thing I think about collective grief too, um, 
in the fact that especially this pandemic has affected us in all in, in numerous ways is that how we respond, how we act um, often is from a place of grief. Um, you know, we, people, I don't know about all of you, but people who are normally very nice and cordial and grace filled um, will respond and out of a uncharacteristically difficult place. <laughs> and I've really had to stop and just extend extra grace for people knowing that there's so much heavy on their heart. Um, and there's so much more behind what they're saying. Um, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about what I've said or done. It's what they're processing, what they're going through. And when we can be cognizant of, uh, there's so much more happening. Um, it helps Absolutely. us have more grace for ourselves and for one another. You know? right. right. It's a great opportunity for all of us, whether we are CCMs or whether you got on this podcast and you're just a little bit curious about the caring congregation or mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to change how we see people, all people that we encounter every single day um, because someone is connected to, to this sense of loss, yeah. um, wh- whether it's, you know, work related, um, they are just, they are, you know, they're at the boiling point with teaching mm-hmm. kids at home, Gosh. you know, or keeping kids at home, whatever yeah. that, whatever that burden has to be. For me, I, I hit the wall when I was told after the third time we couldn't travel to see my, my daughter and her family in Washington. I live in Florida and, and this was like the third time we had to cancel our, uh, or postpone our visit due to COVID. And that, th- that was a loss, you know, I tried to minimize it. And this team reminded me there was no, there's, there's no measuring the grief. It was mine and I was broken. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I, but I think this is an opportunity for all of us to look at one another in, in a, in a new healing, a new healing way, offering healing, um, whether it's the person that's, you know, bagging our groceries, um, you know, or, or the person that's sitting beside us in the next lane of traffic, um, we have an opportunity to share a lot of kindness and do a lot less harm um, and, and be sensitive to where, where people are. Absolutely. I agree. Well, this has been so great to be able to talk through with both of you. And of course we continue to keep Melissa in our, in our prayers and hold them uh, she and her family and our prayers and our, um, and our thoughts as they process this grief. So um, Karen, would you offer a prayer as we close today? Sure. sure. Oh, gracious, loving God, we are so grateful to know you are ever so present in every cert- situation that we encounter. God, in the midst of this conversation that um, feels steeped in the grief of this past year, it just, it's just insurmountable, Lord God. We know that you are in the middle of all of all of this uh, and are trying your very best to shine the light of Christ. Help us be there for people as, as hopeful bearers of your light to bring in grace, peace, new strength, 
assurance and let us do that for each other back and forth, Lord God, until the day comes, Lord God, when we can look back on this most grievous year and and say, Lord God, thank you um, that we could hold hands and get through this. God, we just pray special prayers for Melissa right now and ask that you give her all the the ministry that needs to surround her right now with love and support and encouragement and and just uh, that the church would be an outpouring of of great um, compassion for Melissa and her family. All this we pray, Lord God, that we can truly continue to do this for each other as we go through this Lenten season. All this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for this really difficult conversation. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources and information. Also, be sure to like and share this podcast and subscribe to this channel. Join us next week as we explore further topics on congregational care ministry. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.